0: You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. All right, well, today we are getting back into our teaching series that we started last week called In the Heights. We're studying the New Testament book of Colossians. And I love the subtitle for this series because it's really our goal for this series. And here it is. It's a higher view of Jesus for a new perspective on life. Could anybody in here use a little fresh perspective in life? Anybody could use a little clarity, a little freshness of perspective? Thank you. Yes. That's what we're after, okay? And the heart of the series is, hey, let's get our eyes on, on Jesus to help accomplish that. Let me just tell you this. Wherever you are in life, Wherever you find yourself in your spiritual journey, uh, whether you're new to this church, whether you're new to a Bible teaching church, or you've been here since day one, a a higher view of Jesus will make a difference in your life. It'll bring clarity to your life. It'll bring clarity to your priorities, to what's actually really important in life. It'll help you live With gratitude. How many of you know that gratitude is scientifically, like research-proven, to help you have better mental well-being? If you get more gratitude, you're going to be in a better state of mind. That'll happen if you get your eyes on Jesus. You'll have more wisdom. Anybody could use some more wisdom. You got some decisions in life that you're you're trying to make. Do I swipe right or left on that dating profile? Which one do I do? Right? Like we need wisdom, right? And and getting your getting your eyes on Jesus will help you will help you you do that. I want to just tell you, I've never regretted being more focused on Jesus. I've never found myself at a, a time in life where I'm like, I'm so focused on Jesus and I feel lost right now. I'm so focused on Jesus and, and I just can't find my purpose. No, 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 no. Quite the opposite. It's when I get my eyes off of Jesus. It's when I get distracted. It's when I get too, too, too busy and I lose sight of him that I lose my purpose. And so a higher view of Jesus is, is going to give you a new perspective on life. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be going on this journey together, studying Colossians. And, and I want to v- invite you to go along the journey On this journey with us, okay? If you're new to this church, maybe somebody shared this broadcast with you online and you're like, hey, this is my first time back in church in a long time. I'm not even quite sure what I believe about all this just yet. Let me just help you today. I'll give you a shortcut, okay? If you're exploring Christianity, look into Jesus. Focus on Jesus because the the core, the essence of what Christianity is about, it's not just about doctrines and philosophy and theology. All of those things are important. But at the very center, at the very heart of Christianity is Jesus. Let me help you shortcut. It's all about Jesus. That's a good place to say amen, somebody. And so we're going to be reading this. This New Testament book, it's a little, actually a letter in, in the New Testament, second half of the Bible. You can find it if you're using a, a Bible app called Colossians. And I want to invite you to read along with us, okay? So here's your summer reading assignment. Some of you parents, your kids have summer reading, and they're, they're loving it. They're just so happy to be doing it. But we're going we're to be joyfully reading through Colossians together. And so here's your assignment this week. Read the rest of Colossians chapter 1, if you haven't already, and then read at least the first 15 verses of Colossians chapter 2. Now, if you want to be an overachiever and get a gold star and read the whole book of Colossians, knock yourself out. But if you want to at least keep pace, read the rest of Colossians 1 and Colossians 2, 1 through 15. Today, we're going to cover Colossians 1, 15 through 20, and we're going to look at what's one of the most important descriptions of who Jesus is in all of the new Testament. Now, let me remind you of the context here. We talked about this last week in our service online. Let me tell you what's going on here. The Apostle Paul is writing to a fairly new church, a fairly young church, kind of like redemption, only a few years old, a, a new church in the ancient Roman city of Colossae. And, and the Colossians, this young church, they were, in, they were being influenced by some outsiders who were causing them to have some doubts about Jesus. Basically, they were causing them to ask the question, like, is Jesus sufficient? Like, is Jesus Christ... Enough, and if we're honest, I think most of us can can relate to that question. Some of us are find ourselves asking that question. Maybe you're in a season where you're asking yourself that question right now, because you might say, "Well, Pastor Jeremy, I've been trying this prayer thing, but I don't even know if this prayer thing e- even works." Any of you ever ever discovered that God doesn't always answer prayers on your timetable? Am I the only person today? I know y'all are more spiritual than me. Somebody help me this morning. Yeah, like we, we have questions sometimes, right? Like, is, is God does God even hear my prayers? Like, is He enough? I, I don't know. There's so many religions. There's so many paths. There's so many voices. Like. How do we know like, that Jesus is the truth? And Paul sets out to answer that question in this letter, and especially in the verses we're going to read today, by reminding them of exactly who Jesus is. And so here's our big idea for today. You can put this in your notes today. I'd encourage you to take some notes. A higher view of Jesus starts with knowing exactly who Jesus is. Come on, a higher view of Jesus starts with knowing exactly who he is. So in the verses we're about to read, Paul breaks forth into poetry. In fact, some scholars tell us that the words we're going to read today might actually be an early hymn uh, of the church. Come on, how many of you know that sometimes the only way to express a really deep truth or a really deep feeling is with a poem or a song? Come on, how many of y'all remember when we used to make mixtapes back in the day? Anybody remember? We got some young people like, mixtapes, what is that? Back in the day, in my era, we used to have cassette tapes. Like, we would record songs on a cassette tape and make a mixtape. Then then we used to burn CDs. You guys remember the days of burning CDs? Some of you are like, what is that, burning CDs? Remember the Napster days? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Come on. We used to make mixtapes. So if you had, you know, a special somebody in your life, you might say, baby, this has all of our special songs, and I made a mixtape just for you. Right? When I was in college, we had a mixtape. It was a bunch of Boys to Men songs. Uh, Yeah. I called it the secret weapon. Whenever we got girls in the car, pop that bad boy in. Let boys and men do their thing. The mixtape. The secret weapon. Sometimes the only way to express what's really in your heart is with poetry, with poem, with with song. And that's exactly what we're going to see Paul do here. What we're going to see is that this poem is loaded with some heavy theological truth about who Jesus is. So let's get into it. You ready? Colossians chapter 1. Let's look at verses 15 and 17. This is what the apostle Paul writes. The Son, Jesus, the Son of God, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Wow, that's a mouthful already. Like it's one thing to think of Jesus as a great teacher. It's one thing to think of Jesus as a great philosopher, maybe even a prophet. But Paul just goes right forward. He says, no, you have to understand, he is the creator. Like he was there from the beginning. He's before all things. In him, all things are held together. He's the front. He's the back. He's the middle. He's in all of it. He's the creator. Now, I want to give you three truths about who Jesus is. Three truths truths about who Jesus is. I would invite you to open up the Redemption app if you don't have that. You can get it from our website. There's a spot in our app every week where you can take notes. Here's the first point. Number one, Jesus is the originator. Jesus is the originator originator. Paul says Jesus is the originator of everything. We might call him the original. He is the OG of all of creation. Paul tells us in verse 15 that Jesus, the, the son of God, is the visible image of the invisible God. He is God in flesh and blood, the invisible God in flesh and blood, visible in the person of Jesus Christ. We, we can't see God. Anybody in here ever seen God before? I I didn't think so. Apart from a few episodes in Scripture where God appeared to people, no one has seen God. In fact, Jesus even said that. that. He said, no one has seen God, but when you look at me, you've seen the Father. I'm so thankful that I, I can't see God, but I can see him in the person of Jesus Christ. I can open up the scriptures that I can encounter the life of Jesus, his teaching, the way he loved people, his grace, his mercy, the embodiment of god 's love, his life, the teaching that came out of his mouth that nobody had ever heard before aren 't you thankful that Jesus makes an invisible God visible to us that 's what Paul says Jesus, Jesus does, and so we can 't see God, but thankfully we can see him clearly revealed in Jesus. He is the ultimate picture of who God is. When we want to know what God is like, look no further than the person of Jesus Christ. Now, that's really important, let's be honest, because we, we get confused at times. We end up having doubts sometimes. We, we end up getting disappointed with God at times, if we're honest. We look around at this broken world, and we experience disappointments and suffering, and sometimes we have this question like, is God really good? Like, is God really all-powerful? Does he, is he really in charge of all of this? And sometimes when we're praying, it feels like God is way up there and I'm way down here. And does God even care? I don't have to ask you to raise your hand. We all have those questions from time to time. And here's the beautiful thing. Jesus brings clarity to our hazy notions about what God is like. When we wonder, like, God, God, are you there? God, God, do you care? We look at Jesus. We see the way he loved people. We see the way he extended grace to people. We see the way he touched people. We see the way that he went to the cross and gave himself the embodiment of God's self-sacrificial love. And we can say, God, that is exactly what you're like. I don't have to be confused about who you are. I can see you clearly in the person of Jesus. As the perfect image of God, Jesus Christ teaches us what God intended humans to be. He shows us what our full redemptive potential is. The other day we were doing this uh, this, at our staff meeting, we were doing this team building exercise. Amy comes up with all this crazy stuff. It's fun. So we're on Zoom. We're having our staff meeting. And we were doing this team building exercise where one person had to describe a picture and everybody else had to draw it. You know, it's kind of like Pictionary or something. And so we're all trying to draw this picture, you know, trying to figure out all these clues and stuff. And then at the end, right, like the person holds up their picture on Zoom so you can see the actual picture. And everybody's like, oh, that's what you were describing, right? Like now I can see it like so clearly. Church, let me help you today. Jesus is the clear picture of what God meant humanity to be. You got to understand this. Jesus gives us the picture, like, oh, that's what we were supposed to be. That's what we were meant to be like. That's what you created us to be. The scripture says in the creation story, we were created in the image of God out of all of creation. Only humanity, men and women, are stamped with the image of God. That means somehow God put something of himself in us. But we know something went terribly wrong. It's called the curse of sin. The fall of humanity, right? Humanity rebelled against God and we now live in this fallen, broken planet that we live on every day. But Jesus came to restore the image of God in us. And Paul goes on to say this, that Jesus Christ is the firstborn over all creation. What does that mean? Well, that's less about Jesus' birth order and really more about his status. So when when you hear this idea of firstborn, think preeminence. In the Old Testament concept of firstborn, this was about preeminence. In other words, Paul says Jesus outranks everything in creation. And then Paul continues that idea in verse 16. Let's look at it. He says, for in him, in Jesus Christ, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Paul says, as part of the Godhead, as part of the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, God has revealed himself as three persons in one. Jesus Christ was present and active in the creation of God the universe. Now, he didn't just come at the Christmas story. He, he didn't just show up later on in the New Testament. no, no. He's part of the Trinity. He was there at the foundation of the universe. If you go to the depths of the ocean, if you go to the heights of the mountain, to the stars in the sky, if you check the little tag, like the tag you have on the back of your shirt, it says, made by Jesus. He was there. He was present. He's the creator. He's God. He's the son of God. And so this is so important because here's what Paul is saying. Jesus wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a great inspirational teacher. He he wasn't just a a miracle worker. Like, he's the son of God. He is God. Now, hold that thought for just a moment. Do you ever find yourself um, fixing something or or working on something, like maybe you bought a new toy or a new device or something really technological, and you find yourself uh, thinking, "I I need the owner's manual, you ever been there before? Like, I, gotta, I, I need to Google and find a PDF in the owner's manual, or i got to dig through my junk drawer and find the owner's manual. Amy bought me a nice fancy Nespresso machine for Father's Day. Yeah, where are the coffee people at in the house? Can I get an amen? Some of y'all, I said Nespresso, and you felt the Holy Spirit hit you. like, preach, <laughs> preach, pastor. By the way, hallelujah for caffeine being back in the hallway. Come on. Yeah. COVID, go away in Jesus' name, but we bring in the spirit of caffeine. COVID, you can leave, but we receive the spirit of caffeine. Caffeine plus the Holy Spirit is a good combination. Amen. Life, we're, a life-giving, we're a life-giving church. <laughs> we will get you wired. You'll be lit when you come in this church. <laughs> so anyway, Amy bought me this Nespresso machine before I lose my whole train of thought. <laughs> and it makes all these fancy drinks. Like, you come to my house, I'll make you a cappuccino, you know, I'll make you a cafe, latte, whatever. And all these words I can't even pronounce, macchiato, whatever that is. So... I'm like, I got to keep the owner's manual because I, I, I want to make sure I make these drinks right so I can impress somebody when they come over. And so I stashed the owner's manual. It's like a couple drawers down. And the other day, I had it out. I was looking through it because I'm like, I want to make sure all of my proportions are right. You know, my milk to coffee ratios. Like, I'm trying to get this down, I'm trying to channel my inner barista. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> here's the idea, Right. Why do you consult the owner's manual? You consult, consult the owner's manual when you're trying to fix something or troubleshoot something because you need information from somebody who manufactured the product. Like you need someone who knows and understands how the product was manufactured, how it was created. Come on, Paul is saying Jesus is able to fix us because he's the one who created us. He is the manufacturer. He is the living embodiment of the owner's manual. He is the owner. He is the creator. He's the one who made you. He knows everything about you. He knows you from the inside and the out. He knows things about you that you haven't even figured out just yet. Come on. Some of y'all are married to somebody, and it's been years, and you still haven't figured them out just yet. (laughs) Come on. We got to laugh in church because y'all know it's true. You're like, that's right, pastor. I still have no idea. Some days I wonder, who is this person? (laughs) Like Jesus understands things about you. He's able to fix things that you can't even fix in yourself. And then Paul says this, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. What is this all about? Well, I'm going to simplify it. In other words, Paul says that Jesus is the creator of everything, physical and spiritual, like all of the above, if you can think of it, if it has a category, Jesus is over it. He's above it. He created it. He sustains it. He's got it. Now this seems strange to us when we read a, a weird list like this. You know, what is this? Thrones and authorities and invisible, invisible. Uh, but let me just remind you for a moment that we are reading a, a letter. Okay, Colossians is, is an epistle, which is just a fancy term for a letter. We are reading a letter that was written to an actual group of Christians living in a Roman city. Okay, in Asia Minor, present-day Turkey. Now the Holy Spirit preserved this letter, and we there's truth for you and me today right but but let's remember this was written to an original audience of people who lived in a Roman pagan world, okay? They had layers of gods. How many of you remember studying, like, Greek mythology in, like, junior high, right? Like, all the different gods, like Zeus and all that stuff, yeah. Okay, so you had the Greek mythology, then you had the Roman mythology, then you had all these, like, secret knowledge societies, and y'all think it's crazy with Q and all that stuff. No, they had all this crazy stuff back then. They had secret societies. They had had, uh, people worshiping the emperor. There was a whole cult of, like, emperor worship, people worshiping Caesar. That was, like, the state religion. And so, everything that happened in Paul's time. And in a place like Colossae, it was connected to the supernatural. Like these people, the the, the invisible and the visible was connected for them. Okay. So let me give you an example. Like if you had a bad harvest, like if your crops failed, you didn't, you didn't start thinking scientifically, let's use the scientific method to figure out what happened. No. You said like, what did we do to anger the gods? Are you with me? Because the invisible was connected to the visible. And so here's Paul, right? You have to get this now. Paul writes and he says, this Jesus Christ, the visible image of the one true invisible God, is above all that. All your petty little gods, all your little beliefs, all your philosophies, all these little things that have never been able to save you, like he is the one true God. And now you realize how scandalous that was for Paul to say that in, in these Roman times that these people were, were living in. Now, you might ask, well, how does that relate to us as modern day people, right? We're, we're not living in an ancient Roman, Roman city. Well, let me give you this idea. Here's the idea I want you to put in your notes today. The temptation is always to worship the created rather than the creator. The temptation, the natural drift of humanity. This is where we go without even trying because of our fallen sinful nature. We always drift toward worshiping the created rather than the creator. Let me just tell you, everybody's worshiping something. And, and here's what we call it in biblical terms. When we worship anything that is not God, it's called idolatry. Right, religion class 101, the first commandment, I am the Lord thy God. There will be no other gods before me. Don't have any other gods, right? You know, you can go around Westchester today and talk to people on the street and and you'll meet a lot of people who tell you, I'm not religious, I don't go to church, I'm I'm agnostic, whatever, but guess what? Everybody's worshiping something, whether they realize it or not. Some people are worshiping power, some people are worshiping sex, some people are worshiping money, some people are worshiping socioeconomic status, materials, possessions, and this is where we get in trouble as human beings. We end up worshiping the created rather than worshiping the creator, now, I'm not trying to be a prude today. In fact, God is not a prude. He, he created all these beautiful things for us to enjoy with boundaries. He gave us the, the gift of food and drink and sex. Amen, somebody. He gave us all of these beautiful gifts to enjoy with boundaries in healthy ways. Oh, yeah, I'm married, and all my kids got here the good old-fashioned way. I'm just saying. None of them are adopted, if you were wondering. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It's our first day in the building. You have no idea what I might say up in here. Baptized in this place. So here's the thing we, we, we end up thinking we get it twisted. We, no, we do. We're the prudes because we think God is like, you know, we can't have any fun. No, no. God created all these beautiful things for you to enjoy. For you to have, but just don't get it out of order. Get your priority right. Don't worship the created things because that's what we naturally do. Our hearts get fixated on the created, and Paul says, get your eyes on the creator who is above it all. He made it all. If you can think of it, if there's a category, if it brings you pleasure, that's fine, but he's the God who created all of it. Get your eyes on him. He's the creator. He's the creator. All right, all of that was point number one. Here's point number two. Jesus is (laughs) The sustainer. He's not only the originator, but he is the sustainer. He's the sustainer. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. Here's what Paul said He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the sustainer. I love that song that we sing, you hold it all together. Come on, he's not just a distant God who's up there who created the universe and then he's uninvolved now. You know, that's what the deists believe. The the deists were many of our founding fathers who the creators of of the Constitution and the the signers of the Declaration of Independence. Many of them were what's called deists. They believed in God, but they believed that God was like a clockmaker, that he he set the universe into motion like a clock and then he stepped back and he's uninvolved. But Paul says, no, 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 that's the wrong idea. He's not only the creator, He's he's the sustainer. He's involved in this. Like, he's involved in humanity. He's the glue that holds it all together. In in, in computer terms, he's the operating system. In in scientific terms, he's the theory of everything. He is the key that, that unlocks the meaning and the purpose of the universe. He's the sustainer. Theologians tell us that God is both transcendent and also at the same time imminent. He's transcendent in that he's above and beyond. He's not bound by space and time like you and me. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. He's transcendent. But at the same time, he's imminent. He reveals himself through his word, through his presence, so that you can come into a room like this in a warehouse loft space and come in here and worship and begin to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit that you can pray and call out to God and have a friendship with the creator of the universe. Come on, not only is he the God of the cosmos, you look up in the sky sometimes and and, and it feels so big. You ever have those moments where you feel so small and you wonder, do I have any purpose or meaning? And Paul says he's the God who's transcendent, but he's also the God who's revealed himself in Jesus and he's imminent so much so so that you can walk with him and have a relationship with him. And you can say, even like the psalmist said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Come on, church. He's the sustainer. He's the sustainer. And so here's the good news for somebody today. You came to church to get good news, didn't you? Here's the good news. If Jesus holds it all together, that means you don't have to. Come on, if Jesus holds it all together, you don't have to. Because so many days we wake up feeling the weight of the world on us, don't we? You ever wake up, have those days where you feel like a weight is on your chest? Like, I got to pay the bills. I got to make things happen. I got to hustle. I got to do this. I got to do that. And don't get me wrong. You have to do your part. You have to put work in. But there comes a rest when we realize that Jesus, you're not just the creator. You're not just my savior. But you're the sustainer. You've got me. Come on, church. Come on, 11 o'clock service. He's got you. He sees you. Nothing surprises him. He's transcended. He transcends all the stuff that's keeping you up at night, yet he's imminent and he's close to you, as close as a whisper. Can I tell you how many times I had to preach that message back to myself in this past year with a global pandemic and our church moving around, being homeless, preaching online, preaching here, preaching there, preaching at a gym, preaching a movie theater. Like, I'm tired. I already went on vacation. I'm about to go on vacation again. My phone's going to be in airplane mode. I love y'all, but don't call me next week. I'm sleeping all next week. It's been a rough year on pastors. You know what I'm saying? But I've had to remind myself so many times, God, you got this. Like, you started this church. You sustained this church. I wouldn't even be here if you hadn't shown up. I wouldn't even be here. And now look at what he's doing, a new thing. He's doing a new thing, amen, and we're here for it. Colossians 1:18, here's what Paul says, and he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. I, I love this word picture, right, because Paul says we're the body of Christ. We talked about that a few weeks ago. We all have a part to play in the body. You're a part of the body, but Jesus is the head. How many of you know the head's a little bit more important than a lot of the other parts of the body? Like the head and the heart, that, that's pretty much it. Like you can lose some limbs and still live. You know, we don't want to, but you could live if you lost a finger or a hand or something. But if you lose the head, it's, it's over, Right? Like the head is what sustains, the head is what directs, the head is what governs the body. You point the head in a certain direction, that's where the body is going. And and so Paul's saying like Jesus is the head that sustains the body. And let me just tell you, this is so important because when the the church ceases to focus on Jesus, when the church ceases to exalt Jesus, his lordship and his headship, the church dies. And we see that in our culture. A lot of churches that have moved away from preaching the gospel, and and they're dying. So let me help you out, okay? I'm going to give you a little shortcut today if you're new to our church. If you're wondering what this church is all about, I'm going to make it real simple for you today, all right, one-on-one. We're all about Jesus. We preach Jesus. It's not motivational speaking, okay? It's not TED Talks from your pastor. Like, we preach Jesus, and I'm smoking what I'm selling. I need Jesus just as much as you need Jesus. Like, that's what we have to offer you. If you want to know, like, that's it. Yeah, that's what we have. We believe Jesus saves, he heals, he sets people free, he renews people's lives, he restores people, he takes broken people, and he puts them back together. That's what we believe. That's what we preach at this church. We, we named it Redemption for a reason. I'm just saying, we named it Redemption for a reason. So Paul says he's the head of, of the church, and then Paul says this, he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. Now, what does that mean? That, that sounds weird. Well, Paul is referring to Jesus' resurrection from the dead. He, he's saying that Jesus is the first one to, to, to resurrect, right? This is what Christians have believed for 2,000 years, that Jesus was in a grave. This is what we celebrate every Easter, and that after three days, he actually rose again. Let me just tell you, we, we believe that Jesus' resurrection is, is the source of life for those who believe. And this is what won the Colossians over. Back to the Colossians for just a moment, okay? We're going to go back in time again. Think about the Colossians. We've talked about this now. You've got the context. All these gods, all these deities, all these philosophies, all these secret societies. How did Paul, how did Epaphras, who's the missionary who helped start this church, how did they ever win these people over? And I'll tell you why. It's because they experienced the resurrected Jesus. It's because Paul and, and all of these missionaries, they could preach Jesus with, with conviction. The Colossians heard and experienced a resurrected Jesus, and it won them over. Not only did they hear about Jesus, they experienced His power. Often, when Paul was on these missionary journeys, he, he brought the word in, in power, and people got healed, and Jesus moved. And I just wonder if there's anybody in here today who would help me preach, and you would testify and say that, "My life is an example that Jesus is alive. Like, I've been touched by Jesus, I've been healed by Jesus." I've been saved by Jesus. Like, I've experienced his, his power in my life. Just look, look around. It's not just me preaching. You are surrounded by people who have experienced the fact that Jesus Christ is, that he's alive. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 19. He said, because I live, you also will live. Because I live, you also will live. Will live. Jesus is the firstborn among the resurrection. He was the first one to experience resurrection life, but He wants you and I to share in it and to experience it. And this is about a quality of life. This isn't just about dying and going to heaven one day. I'm so thankful for the promise of heaven one day, but this is about a quality of life that we can experience here and now, right now right? Whoever's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. It's a certain quality of life that we can experience right now. And that's what we're talking about when we say, how many of you experienced that? We've experienced the the new life that we can only find in Jesus Christ. And Paul says, that's what sustains you. That's what sustains you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And here's the third thing. Number one, he's the originator. Number two, he's the sustainer. He holds it all together. Number three, he is the peacemaker. Come on, somebody say peacemaker. He's the peacemaker. Colossians 1, 19 through 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Like Jesus is the peacemaker, church. Like not only did Jesus create this world not only is he the creator of of the cosmos but he chose to come down and get into the mess of this broken world come on he chose to come down and get into the mess of our broken lives and and he lived a sinless perfect life on our behalf to show us what we could be to show us what god put on the inside of each one of us He, he gave us a visible picture he's the visible picture of what God meant us to be. And and then he went to the cross to pay for our sins. He did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He absorbed our sins. He took on our sins on on the cross. And then he went into a grave, but he didn't stay there after three days. He rose again. He conquered death so that you and I could live in resurrection life and have peace with a holy and righteous God come on a God who can have nothing to do with our sinfulness. Jesus was the bridge. Jesus was the way. Jesus was the one who made peace between us and God the Father so that we can know God as Father. We can be welcomed into his home, into his family. And so let me just land the plane with this. Let me bring it home with this. Here's the big question. So what? All right, all this talk, all these wonderful descriptions of Jesus, what what do I do with this? Let me give you two, two thoughts to end with, okay? Why is this so important? Well, it's so important because it speaks to, this passage we just read, speaks to two questions that every one of us find ourselves asking. No matter where you are on the spiritual journey, whether you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, whether you're here and you're sorting it all out, two really existential questions we all find ourselves asking. Number one is, does my life matter? I don't even have to ask you to put your hand up. We've all felt that way before. Does my life matter? And then the second question is this, why am I even here? Why am I here? What what is my purpose? two questions that every human being on this planet planet asks and Jesus says i can answer that for you Jesus says, I can answer that for you. Paul points us to the one. Paul points us to the manufacturer, to the creator, to the one who made us. And here's what Jesus says to the question, does my life matter? Jesus says, yes, your life matters because I was present at creation, not just at the crucifixion, not just at the nativity, but I saw you from the foundation of the earth. I saw you, and and there's great purpose and great dignity and great worth over your life, great value over your life because you're created in the image of a holy God. He puts something of himself on the inside of you. You were created by God, and you have great, great worth, great worth, worth that can't be found in how much money you make or how many Instagram followers you have. And then here's the second question, why, why am I here? We all ask that question at times, like, God, what's, what's my assignment? What am I doing here? What's, what's the meaning of it all? And here's what, what Paul would say. He'd point to Jesus, and he would say, you were created by him and for him. Come on, if you want to find your, your meaning in this world, you got to break out the manufacturer's guide you got to get out the manufacturer's guide and get into the one who created you, who manufactured you, who knows everything about you. You begin to get clarity about your life. You begin to get perspective about your life. You begin to understand things that that never made sense before when you begin to get your eyes on the one who made you and who sustained you and who created you. Rick Warren said this in in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, the the best-selling book outside of the Bible in the English language. He said this, you are made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life will never make sense. Come on, you were made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life will never make sense. When you figure out who Jesus is, it clarifies everything. I'm telling you, a higher view of Jesus will bring you a fresh perspective in life, but it starts with knowing who he is, and we need this, because sometimes we get so used to singing the songs about him, reading the, the, you know, the devotionals about him, seeing the Instagram posts about him, the nice little social media posts about him, but we got to get our eyes on who he really is, not your glorified personal assistant not your professional sin manager. He is the son of God, the creator, the sustainer, the peacemaker. He is our God so that we come to the place that Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Where else can I go? Who else has the words of life but you? Come on, church. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. In just a moment, we're going to receive communion. If you're watching online, maybe you want to take a moment to get your communion elements ready, get you some bread or crackers, some juice, some wine, and we'll make sure everybody's been served here in just a moment. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. Because I really believe this. As we get a higher view of Jesus, we begin to have fresh perspective, fresh clarity, fresh wisdom. Come on, how many of you want that? How many are with me today? I'm telling you, this sermon preached on me all this week, all this week. I can't solve everybody's problems. I don't even have time to do a, a pastoral counseling appointment with everybody in this room. But here's one thing I can give you today. If you get your eyes on Jesus, you'll begin to have clarity. If you get your eyes on Jesus, you'll begin to have wisdom. If you get your eyes on Jesus, you'll begin to have a peace that passes all understanding. Peace when it doesn't even make sense to have peace. You'll begin to have clarity in your life. Start there today. Start there today. Let's go on this journey together over the next few weeks to get our eyes on who Jesus is. Amen? Come on, would you pray with me? Just bow your head. Maybe you want to lift your hands today as a sign of welcoming him into your life. Jesus, we lift our hearts and our heads and our eyes to you today, God. We say you are the Son of God you are the creator. You are the savior and we need you. We need a fresh vision of who you are. We thank you that you're not just God up there somewhere but Jesus you came to us. You're the embodiment of the father's love and grace and mercy. You gave yourself for us so that every person in this place can know they have great worth, great purpose, great dignity, great value and you have a purpose for our lives. We choose to focus on you to know you God. Wanna know you better and love you more. Wanna walk closer with you. And now Father, I pray for every person in this room who right now something in their heart would say, Pastor Jeremy, I want to know God that way. Pastor Jeremy, even as you were describing Jesus, even as you were reading those verses, there's something on the inside of me that would say, I want to know God that way. I want to know that that, that kind of purpose. Maybe you know about Jesus. Maybe you went to religious ed class. Maybe you went to Sunday school. Maybe you got baptized. But something on the inside of you would say, I want to know Jesus in, in that personal way. There's a tug on your heart. And we would say that that tug on in your heart it is the gentle leading of a gracious God who is drawing you to himself by His Spirit today because He wants to have a relationship with you. And it starts with simply saying yes to Jesus. So if that's you, would you just pray this prayer with me wherever you are for the first time, for the hundredth time. Jesus, I give you my yes. Come on, pray that with me. Jesus, I give you my yes. I place my faith in you. I believe you are who you said you are. Go ahead, pray this with me. You are who you said you are, the Son of God. You live for me died for my sins and you resurrected to give me new life. And I place my faith in you. Pray these words with me. I turn from my sin and I turn to you Jesus. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Father, I bless every person who prayed that prayer today. Thank you for the inner witness in our hearts that your spirit that testifies to our spirits that we are sons and daughters born again never the same in Jesus name. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.